This is the Education Gadfly Show. The Bear did not get nominated. Uh, the you know, yes. Best Supporting Actor. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me welcoming my co-host, the Taylor Swift of <laughs> Education Reform, Robert Shake It Off Pendicio. Because I'm tall, blonde, and beautiful. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because you're a you're a big winner, uh, like she was, right, at the Grammys? Uh, I, w- I won a Grammy? Uh, I don't know. For this I'm podcast? Just, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, okay. I'm just going for it here. I'm All just right. trying. Right. What, what, what can I do I'm here? I'm just going to nod and smile. Good. Thank you. I like shake it. Shake it off. And shake it off. That was Taylor Swift, right? I got it was, that, right? of course. Okay. Man, all right. I, I really, I have not been investing enough time in my pop culture. And you always lecture me about lately. cultural literacy. I do. I know. Well, and I will watch the Oscar awards and of course have only seen a handful of the movies, but I am excited uh, that, that one of the animated movies, which of course I saw, because uh, I, I have kids, uh, <laughs> and though, no, I'm blanking on it. What is it called? The uh, Pixar movie about um, uh, inside, in, out? inside Out. The Inside Out not only is nominated for Best Animated Picture, but also for Best Screenplay, huh. which is pretty cool, which I think is well-deserved, actually. Golden age of movie animation right now. Yes. I, you know, what I'm mad about, you know, is is that The Bear did not get nominated. Uh, the Revenant? You know, yes. Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did yeah, you see it was, yet? He was chewing the scenery. I believe I, I I found his performance to be extremely <laughs> believable. Actually, no, 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 not him. She. It was a it was a was mother it? bear. So it would be best supporting actress. All right. Disappointment. Okay. Let's talk education reform. Claire, let's play Pardon the Gadfly. Los Angeles Unified's projected graduation rate jumped by 9% following a three-week winter Ooh. break and one short month of school. Imagine An online that. credit recovery program is believed to be a major factor in the dramatic turnaround. <laughs> is this a big success story or a big scam? It's like the Good opposite boy. of summer melt. It's like the, the, the winter brain freeze. <laughs> boy. Of course, this that? is Los Angeles, so wow. I don't know what to say about that. And they've been having a heat wave on top of it. How many of these Robert. stories do we have to listen to before we just say enough. So this off, looks awfully fishy. You think? And many other credit recovery stories look fishy. Is and there yet, a chip? Do they put a implant in the kid's <sighs> brain? And well, the thing that looks fishy, of course, is that yeah, these kids are way behind credit, and all of right. a sudden they spend some time online, uh, and they seem to pass so these you, courses you, you with you flying can't colors. Get it done in forty weeks and one hundred and eighty days, and in three weeks, winter break, mirabile yeah. dictu, it clicks, and now you're competent. Yeah, I'm buying that. You know, so here's what's tricky, Robert. I think we have a great deal of confusion right now about what it should mean to be a high school graduate. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. I mean, you know, on the one hand, you have some people with the crazy notion, and I do think it's crazy, that, well, we should and we should make kids show us that they are college ready that's not in order happen. to be right. ready no, for that's high an school. Unfair ready for college, right, in order to be a high school graduate, right? In, in which case, we would deny diplomas to 60% of 18-year-olds uh, in this country. Maybe not that high, but you're not far off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the other extreme is, well, let's just, and I've seen this on Twitter this week, let's just give them the diploma because the studies show that it'll help them, that it'll help exactly. their job prospects. So, so let's say, just send them home from the hospital, from the maternity yeah. ward the, with, with a high school diploma. Well, why not? Right. I mean, that, that's the Because idea. we know sure. that, that kids who have a high school diploma make, you know, what, sure. 30% more. Or, or we'll just say That'll that work. when the kid turns 18, right, Driver's uh, in, license, in, instead of getting... service yeah. and your diploma. Right. You, you get a birthday message on Facebook and you get a diploma oh, that just shows up in the mail, uh, yeah. no matter what. I mean, look, to be, to be serious about this for, for, for a minute, um, nobody benefits when 
kids don't graduate from high school, right? So we want to give kids every opportunity uh, because society loses, the kids lose if they fail to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. But come on, we're getting to the point where the, these these numbers uh, and these these clearly quick, uh, thin fixes mm-hmm. are fooling nobody. We, we just need to, I, I think as, as K-12 as, as an enterprise needs to start to set some standards for credit recovery. Look, we need to get some, some good uh, research going into the validity. Nobody would, nobody but nobody would say, hey, if, uh, if a kid, if, if credit recovery is legitimate and, and you can show competence, of course you should get credit. Yep. But stories like this just strain everybody's credulity. Right, because you're saying we're not opposed to the idea of competency-based education. And what if you said, look, what if you just said, look, hey, if you can get a level two on right. the Smarter Balance exam in Los Angeles yeah. uh, and demonstrate you know, some basic proficiency in reading and math, we'll give you a high school diploma. Sure. Is that, you're willing to do that? I'm a big fan of all. What about making them take, you know, well, well, credit they, by examinations, something, right. but this is just, this just stinks. Let's just call it what it, what it is. This is a scam. Stinks like a fish. It does. It's fishy. Okay, Clara, topic number two. Robert, you recently wrote a piece about literacy in the era of ESSA. How can we pay better attention to this aspect of learning as states begin to think about new implementation efforts? Oh, wow. How much time do we have, Mike? Because this is not an easy one to answer. One minute. Okay. Whoa. Wow. Um, who? Uh, 57 seconds. <laughs> no pressure. 54. Look, the, 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 this is, I've talked about this in this podcast and written about it for years. The problem that we have in K-12 is that right now our well-intentioned accountability systems incentivize bad practice, especially in literacy, especially in reading. Um, spend 10 minutes, go online, look at Dan Willingham's video, teaching content is teaching reading. Once you see reading for what it is, the immediate next thought that you have is that, hey, wait a minute, we can't just test this as a set of skills every year. Uh, we need to set up schools to make patient, long-term investments in knowledge and vocabulary. The standardized reading tests really don't do that very well. So the challenge for, for state lawmakers under ESSA is to say, what can we do to, if not create incentives to make sure kids get social studies, science, art, music, all these things that build mm-hmm. background knowledge and vocabulary, if we can't incentivize that, can we at least make sure we're not disincentivizing it? And I think that's one of the great yep. sins of the No Child Left Behind era, is we actively incentivize bad literacy okay, so So let's say in your in your world, uh, you want to incentivize, quote, good practice yeah. and say grades K to three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very knowledge-rich curriculum, uh, on, uh, pl- well, plus scientifically-based reading, can you we know, say phonics, five, all that. Because K to three, I'm not as worried about. We're, we're not that bad at teaching phonics. Okay, what I'm not saying. Yeah, but you also need to teach content in K to three. Right. Here's where I was going. Let's say you do the right thing. You're Mm -hmm. an elementary school, high poverty elementary school. You really nail it in grades K to three. When is that going to start showing up? When are you going to start being able to look at point to kids reading abilities and say, see, it worked. Ideally. Is it by third grade? Is it by fifth grade? Is it by eighth grade? Fade out after fourth grade. Okay. Um, But the problem with reading tests is they're a walk in the dark. In other words, if you think about math, okay, no mystery. If it's third grade, it must be fractions. That's what the standards say. That's what the curriculum says. That's what the, what's, on, uh, what's on the assessment. Teachers know what to teach. Uh, a reading test may or may not be about a passage that a kid knows about. So you can have good uh, good decoding skills. But if suddenly you're asked to read about something that right. hasn't come up in school and right. you didn't learn about in your outside life, the test is going to say, oh, this kid's a weak reader. Yeah, maybe 
not. Maybe this kid just lacks background knowledge. Mm-hmm. So you can't really make a conclusion I, about that year's kid or that year's teacher I, based I totally on that year's exam. I know. I get it. But what I'm saying, Robert, is, okay, you do the content knowledge yeah. thing really well. Okay. Uh, do you think that means that, let's say you do it in K-3, to does that mean maybe by, say, the fifth grade on a fifth grade reading test, you're going to be able to tell Only that that you kid tell is me doing what the better? content is. Okay. If, in, in, uh, look, here, in a perfect world, since you're, you're allowing me to fantasize, in an adaptive testing environment, like you might have for Smarter mm-hmm. Balance, what's to say that you shouldn't allow schools, kids, uh, districts to say, hey, what do you want to read about in the next passage? And then you can control for background knowledge. Then they'll always be reading about a topic they know about. Then it's mm-hmm. a fair test. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you know, the other option is let, let's get rid of reading tests and let's just give history and science. I'd tests be fine with that in elementary school. But I'm, I'm just being a realist and suggesting that that states are not going to be eager to back away mm-hmm. from tests they've invested heavily in. Yeah, it would also violate the federal law. But that's another right. story. Details, details. Topic number three. Mike, you want every college in America to have admission standards. Why? Well, Clara, we started at this a little bit uh, a few minutes ago we when did. we were talking about the credit recovery scam. New report comes out uh, this oh, week. Oh, this is amazing. Okay, about community colleges. And they have a big a big report about how can we help the underprepared student actually succeed at community colleges. Very yeah. earnest report. Sure. A lot of great ideas, better better counseling and, and you know, better uh, approaches to helping these kids in terms of remedial education. Not a single word, though, in this report that's funded by, I think, a lot of this is normal funded, Gates and others. Not a single word that says, you know, Part of the problem here is that some of these kids just aren't going to succeed at college, right? Some of these kids are coming in with their high school diploma, Mm -hmm. which we've already established does not mean they're college ready. They could be reading... You know, at a seventh grade level, they could be doing math at a sixth grade level. They still have their high school diploma. They come into college and almost nothing is going to help those kids uh, to succeed, in my opinion. If you are that far behind academically, it is a very, very heavy lift. And the evidence is overwhelming that a lot of these kids, or let's say at least some of these kids, are never going to get out of remedial education. Mm -hmm. What do we know? Some of the things from that report. Uh, 86% of the community college kids they surveyed said that they felt well prepared academically Mm. and 68% of them landed in remedial education, right? Why, you know, how is it that these kids are getting the, the idea that they're well prepared? Well, someone is lying to them, right? right? Well, you know, that they're, they've been passing these easy state tests. They've been getting good grades. Oh, by the way, 40% of the community college students who were a students in high school, a students in high school are in remedial yeah. education. Here's what I'll sp- I, I will split the difference with you somewhat, Mike. On the one hand, I completely agree with you. There's no excuse for lying to kids. Um, but let's not immediately assume that all of those kids are not college material. They they have the ambition. They have the drive. They want to be in college. Um, where but, but something has gone wrong. Somebody has lied to them. They have been misled to believe that they are college material when they are not. I would not want to say to those kids, hey, you know what, kid? You're just not college material. Uh, we need to get better again. K-12 as an enterprise needs to get better mm-hmm. at being honest with kids. Um, but I, I'm not going to be as, as quick as you to just dismiss the possibility of college for just boxcar numbers of kids. Well, all right. But but what would happen if every college in America had some admission standards, right? Yeah. They said, all right, we're going to give oh, you the placement yeah. test. And if you score below this level, right, or if you score below, uh, name it, I don't know, uh, yeah. 
14 on the ACT, yeah. I'm sorry, you, we are not going to admit you to this college because you know what happens? They admit those kids. They take their Pell Grants, yep. right? And In many cases, they encourage the kids to take on additional debt absolutely. for living expenses and things. And the kids got nothing to yeah. show for no, it. That, you're absolutely right. And, and we say, well, it's because there's, you know that we're, we're into open access. We yeah. believe in an open access mission. Open if access those colleges, your checkbook so I can take your money and give yes, you nothing. If those colleges were for-profit colleges, we would call them oh, predatory, can you right? And, and the feds you. would be going out yes. to try to shut them down. But because they're community colleges, we say, yeah. oh, well. Oh, they're doing the Lord's work. You know, we have to yeah. give them a chance again because right. we're not willing. And look, what, what yeah. I read about this week is this is a form of political correctness yeah, really that, that has resonated with people in this campaign. The Donald Trump phenomenon, right, is that we're not allowed to speak the truth. Yeah. The, speak, the truth is, hey, some kids aren't ready for college. Yeah. And going to college for them is going to be a waste of time and money, right? And and we need to be willing. And by the way, what a great signal we would send to the K-12 system that says, hey, your job is to get kids ready for college. And if they're not ready, they're not going to get to go, right? And that's on you, all right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't, don't, and, and that goes for charter schools. Every, you know, you hear these charter schools say 100% of our kids got accepted to college. Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Most yeah. colleges don't have admissions policies. That just means they filled out a form. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and most uh, charters are certainly more savvy now about keeping data making sure the kids don't just get to but through college yeah god bless look you know this is again complicated because i think you're right i think we're too cavalier that the, the k-12 system doesn't feel any obligation to, or, or too seldom feels an obligation to to uh legitimately prepare kids but i'm just not quite with you that we should just say to kids sorry kid you failed you're not ready well um, we, we say we sorry kid you failed and if you can come back and pass this yeah. test showing that you can do math and and read at higher than an eighth grade level then you're in uh, uh, let me let me nuance that. I guess what I'm saying is I don't I don't want to just make that the the alpha and omega of the solution because then where's the incentive to the K12 system to do a better yeah. job? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there it is. Oh, and, and by the way, like we talked about before, though, Robert, there's always going to be a group of kids like this, right? Right now, sure. it's a huge group. Uh, maybe we'll do better in K12 with Common Core, charter schools, everything else, and we'll shrink the number of kids who graduate not college ready. But, but there's always going to be a huge difference between what it takes to graduate high school, what it takes to be ready for college. Fair and, enough, and, and, and if, if the, if the K 12 system is not willing to deny diplomas to those kids, yeah. right. It is a crazy system that says uh, that the, college system is not willing to say no to any of those kids in terms on of on the other hand let's own the piece of this that we own who are the people who've been saying for years every kid should go to college yeah is no, that us no I, it wasn't me but was it you no maybe it was me but then I changed my mind all so right. it, it doesn't count anymore <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Ouch. That's all the time we got for that segment. Now it's time for everybody's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. All right, let's get right into it this week. What you got for us? All right, no messing around. We have a set of studies, that would be four of them, that evaluate various aspects of the Louisiana Scholarship Program conducted by Pat Wolf and colleagues. Yes, I'm going to go through high-level findings for each study super fast. We call it a quartet. Super, super fast. Lightning round. All right, the first, study number one, examines how the use of scholarship affects student achievement and focuses on the 2012-2013 applicant cohort, including those who took the state test in 2011-2012, so in other words, you have a student baseline score, okay? Okay. 
The program, I got to go through a little bit of this because some people might not know what the program okay, is. Okay, right? okay, okay. Real quick, it prohibits participating schools from being selective in their enrollment. We always bring that up. Um, they must administer the state test. You got to know that among a bunch of other stuff. But those are the mm-hmm. two things that people bring up a lot, okay? It's a random assignment study. Hopefully people know this by now, but students are randomly chosen to receive a scholarship or not because they are applying to oversubscribed schools. Uh, the random assignment study showed that the voucher program had a negative impact on participating students' achievement in the first two years of operations, mm-hmm. mostly in math. Um, a voucher, so here's an example, a voucher user who was performing at the 50th percentile at the baseline fell 24 percentile points below their control group peers in math after one year. Okay, one year. Mm -hmm. By year two, they were 13 percentile points below, so they were on the uptick. Mm -hmm. Okay? The results for reading impact can't be presented with confidence. I just can't go into that, Robert, but that's the bottom line. They just can't be presented with confidence. Study two measured the impact of the voucher programs on non-cognitive skills like self-control and conscientiousness. We're all into the non-cognitive stuff. It found no differences between kids awarded scholarships or not, but they go into lots of reasons like these measures were unreliable. We didn't Mm -hmm. like our scales. We had low response rate, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So they don't think these results are conclusive. Hmm. Okay. Study number three examines how the program impacts racial integration and finds that overall the program improves racial integration of Louisiana Hmm. schools. Interesting. Um, That's because many black voucher receiving students leave schools where they are overrepresented Mm -hmm. and enter private schools where they are underrepresented. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Study four. We did this fast, didn't we? We did. Study four makes an attempt to measure the competitive pressures facing public schools as a Mm -hmm. result of the voucher program. Hmm. In other words, how does the program affect students who remain in the public schools? They, again, explain how hard this is to do. Oh, we're just going to look for consistent story. So they look at things like proximity of private schools in relation to the public schools, their density, and how evenly distributed they are in their respective areas. Okay. They find neutral to positive impacts that are very small in magnitude. Mm -hmm. And they say that effects are largest but still modest for students attending those public schools with a private school competitor in close proximity. Hmm. Makes Hmm. sense, right? So lots to chew on. But the headline has got to be the academic results. So I was going to recap because I'm a good teacher at the end, right? I'm going to recap what we learned. Okay. Exit ticket. Yes, exit ticket. There are negative effects for voucher kids in math. Mm -hmm. There are no harm for kids in public schools. There's no impact on cognitive measures Mm -hmm. and improvement in racial integration. Am I right to say that this is the first time a major study has found a negative impact to vouchers? Well, Mm -hmm. it's the second study that has (laughs) had the same findings for this program. Right. That's right. That's right. Because we talked about that study, what, a month ago? Yeah. Um, And that was just on the first year. And then we heard the grapevine. There was this other study that was going to come out for two years. Yes. So, So, But that is right, Robert, that that this is an anomaly here about why is this particular program uh, not effective for the kids that are participating. Our libertarian friends are making the case that it's because of the regulations. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lump all these regulations together. I kind of hate that. Uh, The regulations, uh, you know, so for example, uh, where, where I 
I would agree with them is uh, this regulation that says you cannot have selective admissions as a school. Uh, mm-hmm. I would agree with them that that probably has kept a lot of the more selective private schools out of the program. And and when you look at this program, actually quite a few private schools in Louisiana are not playing ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Now they lump in with that the requirement that the schools have to take the state test. Yeah. Uh, there, I, I just think the jury is a little bit out. Uh, you know, different surveys have come to different conclusions about whether schools are all that bothered by that testing requirement. Certainly is going to be the case that the most desperate schools like under-enrolled Catholic schools right. are going to play ball no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and and the elite uh, independent schools are least likely to participate no matter what because right, they don't need that's, to. That's a fair point. Yeah, but uh, but it certainly seems that for some reason the private schools in Louisiana are that are participating right. are not as effective as those in other and states. And they come. They've got this you know longish sidebar where they say what could be going on, and one of which is hey guess what these schools it's no excuse but these schools probably aren't used to teaching some of these really low income mm-hmm. kids and it's a little bit of shock to them and maybe they're getting better because we saw that little up. Right. I was going to say 24 to 13. Yeah, so that's one hypothesis. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know. Another one is, hey, um, if if they are indeed caring about aligning their content to the state test, mm-hmm. um, they haven't really done it yet because the program yeah. started in such a way that they wouldn't have to have time to do that. And maybe yep. they're going to plan mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of theories about what's going on. Will this cohort be uh, followed gonna on? going to keep following them. Okay. going to keep digging into some of these questions around the black box questions. Um, and I think they're going to keep tracking them year three mm-hmm. and year four and year yeah. five, which would be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that the literacy data isn't there because that's always more intriguing to me. It's more of a long term play, as we were just discussing. Mm-hmm. But the math one is surprising because usually that's the, the the one that you see the most immediate response to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, right. And that, that we just almost nothing works to boost reading right. achievement, yeah. as uh, as you've said long. Or time, the Robert. test isn't any good. Well, hey, right. if you're interested in this on March, I believe it is on March 4th, uh, I will be on a panel of. Over at Cato with Pat Wolf and with oh. some other folks hashing out uh, this, uh, you know, th- this study and others, and and debating whether it is in fact the dastardly quote regulations, <laughs> including the test uh, that is. I know what is, they're going to say at Cato. I right. think we do. I common, common, word. common core. That's all the problem. I love the word dastardly. Can I just say that? I like that. Yeah, word. I just flew right out <laughs> yes, of my mouth. I like, I like it too. Thanks. <laughs> well, on that dastardly note, that's all the time we've got for this week. I'm Robert Pundicio. <laughs> no, that's oh right. I didn't say we didn't say that right. That was a dastardly way to do that. Uh, uh, that's all the time we got for this week. Until next week. I'm Robert Pundisi. And I'm Mike Petrilli at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.